Welcome to the She Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Shanika, but for this forum, you can call me Neek or Sis. This is a show for women that discusses real life topics to let you know that you are not alone on this journey called life. And while we're taking this journey, I'm also encouraging you to embrace the concept of true sisterhood. Are you ready, sis? Let's go. Hey, sis. Today, I'm excited about this dope soul (laughs) episode. As you know, I'm always excited to highlight other women and their stories. I get super excited when they're doing extra dope things in the community or in the lives of others. And today, I am excited to sit down with a dope soul named Chavery. I'm excited for you to hear about and from this sister who is making a positive impact within her community and the lives of others. Chavery is an active duty member of the United States Air Force, a brand new mom, and an amazing daughter, sister, and friend. First things first, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to allow me to interview you for this podcast. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. All right, sis. So let's get started. So first off, I would like to give you all background on how me and Chavery met. We were deployed together for a few months overseas. And for those of you that are not familiar on what a deployment is, this is when you pack up your whole life for six months in two or three bags. You leave your family and friends and every bit of normalcy that you know, and you go and you do your job in another location overseas. We've had some good times over there, and we've been rolling together ever since. Whenever I'm in D.C. or she's in Texas for work, we try our best to link up, even if it's just for a few minutes. We've been there for each other through various stages of our lives, and she's also a supporter of She Speaks. Sis, for the people that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and why you agreed to come on the podcast? Absolutely. Um Again, I'm just so excited to be here with you. This is, I have my little one in the background. Um, So if you hear him talking away, you know why he should be asleep, but he's not. Um, But nonetheless, I am a new mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a child of God. You know, definitely not in that order. Child of God comes first. Hallelujah. But um you know, since this, since my maternity and definitely this COVID-19, I've spent a lot more time in my kitchen, cooking, um, baking, you know, doing a little razzle-dazzle, and definitely uh, finding new interest in photography, and mainly because I have a three-month-old who I do nothing all day but take pictures of. So, um, yeah, you know, my journey as far as coming on to She Speaks, and I think um, I won't go too far ahead, but, you know, you gave me a bunch of topics, and this one, as far as my village is concerned, definitely resonated with me, and was something that I felt we probably should talk about a little bit more, because we have this idea in our society that we have to be independent all the time, and have to do things on our own, uh, and and we don't, you know, even if you have a partner or if you decide to have a child on your own, you have people around you, you have a village to help you 
So that's why I chose that topic. I wanted to be here with you today. Oh, that is super awesome. Um, yeah, so you did choose this topic, right? Because I gave you a few of them. But you also said you chose this topic because you felt like it incorporated all of the topics that I suggested. So let's talk about that. Um, so some of the other topics included, you know, being a new mom and uh, I am... I am three months old in this journey of new momhood. So I have limited experience to and advice to offer anyone. Um, you know, everything I learn is from another mom, whether it's my, my sister or my mom, uh, whether it's from you, whether it's from Google. Right. So, you know, my personal experiences uh, for my first three months have been great, but would be skewed because, you know, I don't have the years of experience as some others. And then um, another topic that we talked about was self-discovery and uh, I'm still discovering myself. <laughs> so, you know, um, it wasn't a, it's definitely a subject of interest, but I feel like while you're in the journey of self-discovery, it's very hard to fully embrace it and discuss it because there's parts of the journey that you're still trying to figure out. Yeah. And my my 20s journey is much different than my 30s journey. And I'm sure my 40s will be much different as well. So probably when I get closer to figuring out on the back end yeah. uh, what this journey was is supposed to take me to, then I could come back and be like, okay, now let's talk about self-discovery. <laughs> but yeah, so um, embracing, picking, uh, asking people to be a part of your village is so important to me. When I first found out I was pregnant you know, you register for all these free gifts and these free packets and packages um, and samples and they, you know, people just want to send you stuff. And in one of the boxes I received, there were little cards that said, thank you for being a part of our village. Oh. And it resonated so much with me because, you know, I, I was going into this journey of motherhood as a single parent and as a decided single parent, you know, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know what, I'm just going to be a single parent today. Like I got this, <laughs> right. you know, life has, whether it's women who go and um, do it on their own, whether through a donor or mm -hmm. just by circumstance of situations, um, no one really wants to take this journey alone you want to share it with someone. So when I made that decision, like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I saw the card. I realized that I was going to do this and I needed to do it with people who I knew loved me and I loved and who would be honest with me um, and would willingly take this journey along with me and help me as an individual, as a as Chavery, as a mom as well, but then also look out for my son. Right. Yeah. So I have a question before we get deep into um, vulnerability and, you know, building villages and stuff like that. For you, because I remember when we were in DC mm -hmm. and we were having the conversation and some of these questions popped up, I would like to know 
when did you get comfortable with the fact that your village is what you needed from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Because as we go through life, we paint these pictures of, oh, well, for some of us, we paint the picture of it has to be mom and dad and then baby, or it has to be a significant other and mom and then baby. But initially, because of course, you know, as it happens and you had him and we'll get into that, but initially, when did you get, how did you get comfortable with that, knowing that you didn't have to live up to society's version of what a family looked like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll be honest with you. I I don't know when I became 100% comfortable with it. I think I still struggle with that at times because uh, there are times when, and not necessarily society, but just on a personal level, you want to have a person, you know, that person, that designated person to be with you and to help help you and share this journey with you. Uh, and so it's, there have been times where even to this day, still trying to reconcile not necessarily having that has been a personal blow more so than me trying to live up to society but what I did realize and this came from my mom so I told my sister first I was pregnant and you know I shared that story with you and how I told my mom and so right my mom and I were traveling to California for my cousin's wedding and I told her the night before and so on a hike my mom and I were just discussing life and um you know, as I'm sitting there trying to track up this hill and, you know, I'm, I'm newly pregnant. I'm like, I can do this. I can do it all. And also like, whoo, Lord, I'm about to pass out. It's hot up here. This baby whooping my tail already. But my mom and I, we were talking about it and she said, you know, um, I, I'm very proud of you. And and I was like, okay, this is weird. I don't know where we're going with this. Um, you know, because I'm not married. I, you know, I have, I'm pregnant, whatever else the case may be. And she said, no, I'm very proud of you. You know, you have, you have college degrees with an S, you know, you have, um, you take care of yourself. You have a great career. You have, uh, you know, homes, you have a car, you, you have done everything I could have ever asked you to do. And if if you decide to continue this journey of motherhood, I would still be proud of you. And I would still, <clears throat> excuse me, think nothing but the highest of you. And aside from, you know, maybe checking a societal box of marriage, um, you're more than prepared to be a mother. And I think it was her acceptance of that and her acknowledgement of, you know, you don't have to be pressured from outside um, influences to go one way or the other. And that definitely relieved a lot of stress, um, just knowing that my mom was still proud of me and, you know, didn't look at me as like, great, you know, here's my 30-something-year-old daughter, not married and pregnant. But then on the flip side, too, she told me as well, she's like, and you're 30-something, like, look, I'm not saying your days are numbered, but 
you know, you, you got to make a decision here. <laughs> so, so it was helpful to have her support. Right. It was helpful to have my sister's support. My sister has three beautiful kids and, you know, from the very beginning, whatever I needed, she was with me. It was about two weeks before I told my mom. So my sister was just that my support throughout. And when she was pregnant with all three of her kids, she told me first. Um, and it was just something, it, it's a very, and I know you know this, you know, once you start to have kids, it's just this bond with with whomever it may be, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a parent, it's a bond that you can't um, really let go of after it's initiated. So, so anywho, back, back to your original question, the initial it's okay to go outside of the norm of like society came from my mom and then definitely came from when I received that box as well when it clicked to me that I needed to have my village I need to have my friends involved I needed to you know allow them to be a part of the process because I'm a control freak and so <laughs> it, it was very hard for me to be like okay guys I'm having a baby and I want you involved right because then their opinions would have to matter and their thoughts had to matter, um, which isn't a bad thing. But on the flip side, I was it really forced me to say, okay, if you're going to do this, you have to be 100% committed to allowing these people to be equally invested in you and your son's lives. Oh, so that, that to me, that is amazing. It's beautiful. Um, so I have, over the years, have you, as you and I have talked to each other, been with each other, visiting each other, and just over the years on social media, I have seen the pictures of you and your mom and your sister and just how you all have been there for each other um, through the birthdays, you know, through the family trips and, you know, all those different things. And I just think it's beautiful to see um, just that bond there. So a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast with my mom, right? Um, and as I was talking to her and asking her those questions, I had a vision of you and your sister and your mom because my mom and I are very close and it's just me and her. And I have a brother, unfortunately, who is in prison right now. But, you know, my, it forced me and my mom to be closer right um so when i was coming up with those questions to ask her you came to mind when i asked the question well what do you have for the new mom right because being a mom is a beautiful experience and of course when it's your first time i know for me when i first had anaya i had all of these different thoughts and am i going to be able to do this and what does this look like and um not to get too personal but i had an episode where i wanted to breastfeed her like that was going to be my thing like i'm going to do this and i had some struggles you know just based off of being new to all of it um, the exhaustion, you know, just all those different things. And my mom was there with me during that time. And she said, it's so simple. She said, baby, it'll be okay. Neil, go to the store and go get this baby some formula. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had my mom not been there, 
I don't know how that would have played out because me and my husband, we were new parents. We didn't know what to do. And to go back to my main point, I just think it's beautiful, the bond that you and your mom and your sister have. And just to see that over time and in pictures and even now, you're a new mom Mm -hmm. and you have that handsome young man over there, right? And even for us to have this conversation, I'm just truly excited on your journey and where you're going and the village that we're about to talk about because I met one of your girlfriends in your village when we went to dinner that one time and um, I see the pictures of brunch and you know all these different things that you all do and you had some people there with your graduation you Mm -hmm. know your degree and so let's let's talk about for the young lady who may be struggling right about being vulnerable Uh, because she has to, you know, maybe she's in a situation where she has to build this village or she has to let go of that control, right, to ask or let people in. What words of encouragement do you have for her? Yeah, sure. Um, So Brene Brown talks about vulnerability in practically all of her books. Um, Her most recent one, daring greatly she states we dismiss vulnerability as weakness only when we realize that we've confused feelings with failing and emotions with liabilities and i really thought about that um a lot early on when i first was thinking through my village because asking for help and that's what a village is really you saying I can't do this on my own I need help that is a very vulnerable feeling and that may also make you feel like you're failing at something and failing in life you know I too have had the my breast milk isn't you know coming in I don't know what to do I'm crying because he's crying and you know my mom does the same thing here's some formula mix it up give it to the baby go to sleep you know and so um I had to realize that asking for help is not a weak a weak a weakness it's not it doesn't make you a weak person you are stronger actually because you ask for that and so I would encourage that young woman to know it is perfectly okay to ask for help it is perfectly okay to say I can't do this on my own and no matter how much I read every single day something new about babies right I get weekly updates your baby is three weeks I mean three months and three weeks old and and three days and three hours and hear what he should be doing right now and every single day I'm reading something new but that everything I read all the research all the doctors all the studies will never come close to the personal relationships I have, the personal experiences that other moms have shared with me, that other dads have shared with me, and just being receptive to that. Um, And knowing up front that, again, asking for people to be in your village makes you a lot stronger in the end, mainly because you have to be honest with yourself. And you have to be be honest with yourself about a, who you want in your village Mm -hmm. um, and why you want those people in your village. If it's 
you know, oh, well, this is my best friend for 18 years since grade school. Okay, that could be true. But is that person going to take care of you when you need him or her to be there? And not just in a physical aspect, will that person check you when you may be on the verge of a mental breakdown and you don't see it coming? Will that person check you when maybe you're on the verge of a homicidal sprint <laughs> right. and, and you know they need to reel you back in? Um, will that person be willing to step in for your child when maybe you physically can't be present? You know, we, you and I, all service members, all moms um, have a very demanding job. And when we are so goal, career goal oriented, and then like I am, it was not, it wasn't a blow. It was just a huge shift in my mindset when I found out I was pregnant. And now that I have my son, um, the things that I wanted to do for my career, although many of them are still attainable, my thought process has completely changed because my son is my priority and he has to come first. But I also have to recognize that I may not physically be there all the time and I need to have people around me who I trust to be in his, in his presence, to be with him, to raise him as he's kind of spazzing out on me right now. Um, <laughs> but to be with him as well and that was the biggest that was the biggest piece for me to make sure um that I had just solid people around me and solid solid moms too um that that's a big thing you know we there are women out there who have all struggled but I wanted women who struggled and were willing to say I struggled yeah. and I failed and I messed up and I don't know. Right. That's what I needed. So um, for that young mom, I would encourage her to really take a deep look at who she is, who she wants to be as a mom and who those people currently in her life are that will encourage her to be her best self who encourage her child to be their best self and ultimately will do whatever is necessary to keep her uplifted and also her child. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh there's a lot of key nuggets in that one right there. Um, so yes, even as a mom in the military, we have a different calling, right? And you hit it when you said, I've realized that there'll be times where I won't always physically be there for him just based off of your commitment. So I know for me and my spouse, my village consists of a lot of different people in the military. My mom, 100 grand is always there, you know, when we have to go, um, even for vacation, because she realizes the importance of needing someone who's going to be able to physically be there and help take care of some of those things or just be there to help us to live life, right? So my next question for you 
Is everyone in your visit village local? And if not, how do you keep up with them? And how often do you guys contact each other? Yeah, um, now that's a great question because no, half of my village, a majority of them are local mm -hmm. as I'm trying to think through and count. Uh, my mom, I've been fortunate that this assignment brought me back to DC where my mom lives. And <laughs> <laughs> the coughing baby here but um back to dc where my mom lives and uh that has just been literally the life-saving so sorry no, fine. <laughs> the life-saving aspect of all of this because you know it's it is impossible like you said your mom is your a1 from day one a hundred grand you know and that's my mom there's no way i could have possibly gone this far on this journey without her whether it's you know just her coming and taking my dog out for a walk or bringing food or you know just taking him she came over just the other day when he just refused like right now to take a nap and she came over and played with him for a little bit and he fell asleep in her arms and I was like okay now I can go pee you know it's been like four hours and I need to pee but uh so so that aspect of it my mom for sure being local has been super helpful my best friends um from high school, from yeah, from grade school, they're all local. So that's been super helpful to have them. And my sister, she's in North Carolina. She's not physically here, but she and I, we talk every day. I have friends in um, Germany. Yeah. You're in Texas, you know? Um, and I have friends in Texas. A friend just texted me yesterday and she's in California and she's a part of my village. And so I think about my friend, um, Veronica, who's in Germany. And we met in Florida, um, working out, great woman. Mm -hmm. I was there when her second son was born. And it's so crazy because I remember going through my pregnancy journey and I had gained like 50 plus pounds during my pregnancy. And I called Veronica one day because I left my appointment and the, the midwives and the doctors were like, whew, child, you were gaining weight. Like, we don't know what's going on, what you eating. They had made me take um, the glucose test yeah. like four or five different times for gestational diabetes to just kind of make sure I wasn't doing anything crazy. The backstory of it during my first trimester, all I ate was fruit. Right. And I, I mean, I was eating, I was spending easily 20, 30, sometimes $40 in like grapes alone. Oh. Because I was just going through, you know, pounds of them. Mm -hmm. And so throughout my pregnancy, that sugar, the insulin started to build up mm -hmm. and showed itself later on in my pregnancy. So I was gaining quickly, but I wasn't eating anything outrageous. Well, anywho, I called Veronica crying because I'm like, they're just calling me fat. I don't know what to do. You know, I was trying to lose weight before my appointments because I had just developed like this complex of, you know, now I'm gaining too much weight when I'm pregnant and I'm supposed to be gaining weight. So anywho, I called her and she was like, girl, <laughs> and she said it in German. So I can't repeat it that way or in English. 
but she was like, bump them. Don't forget that. You need to stay healthy. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You're eating well. You know, she talked about her pregnancy journey, how she gained, I think, you know, close to the same amount as I was. And her son was perfectly healthy. And so it was so important for me to have that conversation, whether it was with her, she just happened to be the one I, I turned to that day. But for someone to be like, you know what? I understand they're concerned about you and your health, but from my personal experience and, and knowing what you're going through, you're perfectly fine. You're going to be good. Your son is healthy. You're healthy. Let's move on. Let's talk about the nursery. Let's, let's worry about something that, you know, matters and not that my weight didn't matter, but she knew that I was stressing unnecessarily about someone's opinion of me who didn't truly know me right um all they were seeing by statistics stats on my charts and saying okay well if she continues this trend then you know science tells us x y and z and not uh, the individual so having having my friends in germany having you know, you, I mean, you and I talk about motherhood, having you and my other friends um, in, in Texas, having my sister in North Carolina or my friends in California, like that's helped my cousin in California. Um, she randomly texts me all the time, like, hey, thinking about you, you know, what are you going through today? What are you thinking about? And just, just that simple question, my friend yesterday text and said, Hey, can I ask you a question? How is it being, you know, a single parent? Like, what are you thinking? What are you going through? And having those people who are willing to just ask about me yeah, and taking the time to ask about me, because I can talk about my son all day long. That's, <laughs> right. that's no problem. You know, yeah. I can tell you about his diapers. I can tell you how he rolled today. <laughs> you know, that's not an issue, but to take the time to have someone, and that's why your village is important to have someone to stop and say, how are you doing? How are you really doing? What do you need? How can I help you during this time frame? Um, that's really important. It is. It is. Oh man, you inter you got an international village, girl. <laughs> girl, <laughs> ah, it's beautiful though. <laughs> so, what are some of the ways that you reached out to your village? Um, what are some of the ways that your village has carried you? Um, so, here, let's talk about that being in active labor for two hours. Oh gosh, yes. Um, you know, my, my delivery journey, my, my labor and delivery journey, when I was initially scheduled to go in on like January 28th or so, and, or the 29th actually. And I called them because I was so nervous. And I said, Hey, can we, I was supposed to go in that morning at six. And I said, Hey, can we just push this back a little bit? Maybe to like, you know, two or three you know, some other time. And she's like, well, how about you come in the evening? How about 6 p.m.? I was like, good, I got that. And um, I was just nervous. I was so nervous because, you know, you don't know your first time, you have no idea what to expect. Yep. <laughs> and no matter how many videos you watch, you have no idea what to expect. And, uh, um, and so 
I got there, my sister and her family arrived from North Carolina that evening. We hopped in the car, we got to the hospital and as they're hooking me up to everything and they're like, okay, let's get ready to have a baby. They get the um, sonogram out and the doctor's like, "Uh oh, and I'm like, oh God, what in the world's happening? And so then they bring in two more doctors. I'm like, okay, Jesus, like either they talk or you talk, somebody. And she said, oh gosh, you know, he's breached. And I was like, well, how in the world, you know, this kid, he was perfectly, literally for the last two trimesters, he was head down the entire time. The day he's supposed to be, we're induced. He's like, no, I'm gonna flip around. So they sent me home. We went home. Um, my mom was here. She spent the night. Well, she had been living here. And um, I just remember going and getting in the bed with her and just like, just sleeping with her, well, trying to sleep, but just staying with her because I was just so nervous. And if I had to have a cesarean, that was fine, but I didn't want to. So we get back to the hospital the next morning and he flipped on his own. So praise be. Um, so I get started and they're going through the whole process, um, trying to break my water and all these other things are happening. And the entire time, the two constants, although, you know, my best friend, Malcolm, his godfather was there, you know, my other friends were there, but the two constants, my mom and my sister, and um, I had a really bad throwing up spell. My mom and my sister were right there when they were trying to, you know, and place the balloon, my mom and my sister were right there. And when it came time for me to push, my mom and my sister were there. And it was so important that I had their strength during that time frame of delivery um, because I don't think I would have been able to do it on my own. Or even if it was just, you know, my friends in the room with me. And, you know, I, I tease my mom because there was a time during delivery where my sister, I, I was just burning hot. You know, they have this nice little pretty robe on you and they're like, okay, let's keep you modest or whatever else the case may be. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. No, I ripped that robe off. You know, I was booty naked. I had no concerns about anything. And, <laughs> um, my mom, my sister, I was just so hot and my sister was fanning me. She had a folder and she's fanning me as hard as she can. And my mom was standing at the head of the bed and, you know, just encouraging me and like wiping my sweat and kind of keeping me cool. And during the midst of this, my eyes were closed. And when my, when I, what I recall is my mom had on like a purple shirt at one moment. Then I closed my eyes and I opened them and she had on a black sweater. And I was like, did this woman have a whole outfit change in the middle of my, I know she did not go put on clothes. <laughs> and here I am pushing as hard as I can to get this child out of me. So, you know, it, it was it definitely provided some levity to the situation. Right. And then another moment during my delivery, um, my epidural was coming loose mm -hmm. because they had kept flipping me back and forth. And, um, you know, they give you the little push button so you can kind of control it. 
and I kept pushing it and I was pushing as hard and as fast as I possibly could and nothing was happening. I was just feeling full contractions. And so I was pushing, I was pushing it. And out of nowhere, my mom was like, dang girl, you pushing that like a crackhead. And I was like, <laughs> I know. So, you know, then everyone bust out laughing, the doctors, the nurses, you know, I even laughed looking at her sideways like I know you ain't just say that about me but it literally those two moments specifically provided so much levity in such a tense moment because you know he um stone was angled so he wasn't coming down the way that he should have and I couldn't pass his shoulders you know normally and they had tried so many different positions it had gone to the end i had um i was going through preeclampsia at the same time so right before you know my right before i started to push that's when they came back with the results for preeclampsia so there were so many last minute changes and turns that the doctors were more concerned of just making sure he was safe and i was safe and versus allowing me to just try to push but what I respected most about that situation, not only my mom and my sister being there and providing me their their spiritual strength and encouragement was also that they respected my wishes and advocated for me. And I think that's an important aspect of your village is to have people who are gonna advocate for you during this process of childbearing because we hear all too often, especially a minority women, um, how they are overlooked and, you know, kind of dismissed when it comes to their health care. And this was one time where certain things I wanted done, or if I had, you know, we had keywords and co-words, if I said this and that, this is the action that I needed to happen. So it was really important to me to have them not only with me physically but also like just just spiritually and emotionally i just felt them the entire time and there was another time where during my delivery i remember looking at my mom and probably feeling like you know five-year-old girl and saying mom i can't do this anymore like just just cut him out i'm done and she looked at me and she's like, nope, you got this. You can do this. He's almost here. You got this. And that was, that's what I needed. Um, just to have, yeah, just to have her there telling me like, you're okay. You got this. And having my sister there, you know, encouraging me and um, telling me I can do this and I saw my sister have her last child but what you don't realize hindsight you know three kids in versus one looks very different <laughs> so yeah the third one slides right out but that first one <laughs> so, so it was really important to me to have them in the room and just I mean there was so much love and so much strength and you don't realize it until you're going through something like that how much you need those type of those type of people but really those women in your lives right oh man beautiful about the them being able to advocate on your behalf i think that's extremely important in a lot of different situations 
Um, and also the fact that they were there to be there for you um, on a spiritual level and an emotional level as well. And I always feel like if people in your village can't show up for you in certain ways, sometimes you need to reevaluate that village. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, earlier you said, you know, um, you were kind of like a control freak. And um, in this recent, you know, story, you just told us about how they were there for you spiritually and emotionally, and they were advocating for you on a medical level as well. So with these things happening, uh, Jayree, this is, this is vulnerability at its best. Yeah. So my question, and I know you said, I'm still discovering myself, but what have you learned about yourself on this journey so far? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it goes back to the control freak aspect of it. I, I am learning it is okay not to be in control. Um, especially when you have a child, you're never in control. Like throw that out the window, right? Uh, I thought he was going to be asleep right now. He decided to stay up. I'm, I'm out of control in that. And so <laughs> it doesn't matter how many bottles, how many, you know, playtime, he's just going to do what he wants to do in this moment. Yeah. But I am learning it is okay not to be in control. It's okay not to know. And I don't know if that's, you know, a, a personal thing, if that's a professional thing, you know, I think in, in our careers as service members, especially in the Air Force, um, we pride ourselves on knowing and whether it's, whether it's an AFI or whether it's something, we pride ourselves on knowing the answer. And so I'm learning it's okay not to know all the answers. It's okay to ask for help and um, to actually be receptive to that help. You know, sometimes I think we hear or people, we may ask for advice and we'll say, okay, thanks. And then never take it, but I'm learning how to take it. You know, a, a simple example, I put him down, I'm transitioning him from his bassinet in my room to his crib and I got him down in his crib and I was really excited and he woke up like maybe 10 minutes later. And so sure enough, I send my, my mom and my sister the picture of him while he's asleep. And later on that afternoon, I said, yeah, but he woke up, you know, maybe 15 minutes later. And my mom and sister collectively, you know, whether I think my, I was talking to my mom via FaceTime and then my sister had texts later on and said, hey, put a shirt by him, put one of your shirts by him so he can smell your scent. And, you know, he should find, he should sleep fine. And I said, oh, both of them gave me the same advice. Not that one was more than the other, but it was just ironic that they both gave me the same advice. And so later on I did it and sure enough, he fell asleep and he stayed asleep for, you know, two hours. And I was like, oh, check mark. Okay. Good advice. You know, versus thinking to myself, well, you know, Dr. So-and-so said, Right. whatever else the case is. So I really have learned to ask for help, take advice from people I trust mm -hmm. and 
to whether if it works or not, that's a separate issue, but to ask for the help, take advice and be okay with not knowing, be okay with not knowing, be okay with not being in control. Um, you know, especially thinking back on my first days of breastfeeding mm-hmm. in my head and the way the movies and, and the books tell you the baby comes, the baby cries, the milk comes out and you're like, I'm good, you know, <laughs> all right, come on milk. And it wasn't happening for me and I was struggling. And um, my mom every day would wake up uh, probably about six or seven, she would go downstairs, make me some mother's milk tea, mm-hmm. and she would bring me the tea. And I would drink the tea and, you know, attempt to nurse and bottle feed him. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was clockwork until my milk started coming in. And then I started feeling more comfortable with, you know, taking other, whether it's a pill or other, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think about the second, but other um, means to help my milk come in. And it was helpful in that moment to just be like, okay, ask for help. I don't know what I'm doing, except the help. She's offering this, this tea, this outlet for you to use, um, you know, use it. So that would probably be my biggest thing, being, being okay with not knowing Accepting, accepting help um, wherever it may come. Okay. Mm. Like you learned a lot, girl, in these three months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know something else, though? And let me say this, too, because during my maternity, I really unplugged mm-hmm. from work. And, you know, my last job was super hectic. Um, I was an executive officer, basically an executive assistant for a general officer. And it was a really an amazing opportunity and job. But I was going so hard every single day, probably for all the right reasons, but also for some of the wrong ones. And I say the wrong ones because a part of me felt as though I had to, I had to prove whether it was to myself or to others that even though I'm pregnant, I can still run with the best of them. Even though I'm pregnant, I can still work, you know, from 6am to 9pm, you know, and I was, I was good and well into probably my seventh, eighth month. I had switched to tennis shoes at that point because these feet were swollen. Okay. Um, and it, I was struggling, you know, it would take me roughly 30 minutes to get from the parking lot to the building to get to my, my office, um, going to the courtyard took me forever. You know, my thighs were rubbing, um, <laughs> you know, people knew me from the back based off of my waddle before they ever saw it was me, you know, and I, I felt so much, I think again, society, societal pressure to keep up with everyone else, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, to keep up with my old pace, Mm -hmm. my pre-pregnant pace, and to to say, nope, just because I'm pregnant doesn't mean that I can't do. And so when I went on maternity, I made a very conscious decision to unplug. 
and to be present every single day with and for my son. And I think that alone, excuse me, has made me a better person and in the most immediate, a better mom, because I wasn't worried about my emails. I wasn't worried about the reports that were due. I was just in the moment present with my son. If an opportunity was sitting in my inbox, it was just sitting there. And should that opportunity truly be meant for me, it would present itself again. And so I made sure that I took the time to unwind from that past year running so hard um, to allow myself to accept where I was in this current moment and truly embrace and enjoy these first moments and first months of motherhood because I won't get this back. The job will always be there, but I won't get this time with my son back no matter how, you know, how much I try. Um, so that was something else that I really learned to do to unwind and to be present in the moment, mindfulness, if you will, to just truly be present in the moment with him. Man, thank you for sharing that because that is so important. And we, as women, sometimes don't think about that part, the unplugging, like we not as fly as we used to be before these kids took over our bodies, right? Mm -hmm or we don't have the same amount of energy, or we, we do feel like we have to keep up. And I'm glad you highlighted that. And I wish you and I would have talked 11 years ago because <laughs> um, I was in a, a similar situation where I was getting ready to transfer career fields. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are not familiar, it's going from one job to another within the Air Force. And there was a job that I'm in now, I wanted to do it so bad but there was a a 20 day observation period and I came off of my maternity leave early to do. Mm. And at the time I felt like I had made the right decision to do that. Right. And I still get choked up to this day because that was a sacrifice that I made that I don't even know if it was really necessary. Now, it didn't affect the bonding between me and my oldest because me and her, you know, we like night and day, but we are so close. Yeah. Um, but that's that's important. I'm glad you brought that up. So, sis, if you're listening, you don't have to be the person that you were before motherhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Except who you have become. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, trying not to tear up. No, I understand. It is. It's so important. And, you know, I, I think about trailblazers like you because there are women, I had three months of maternity, right? And you had what, six weeks? Six weeks, girl. That was it. (laughs) Exactly. So thinking, thinking about it, you know, I was at my six week mark. And I think I was having a serious anxiety attack because I couldn't process in my mind at that time, Mm -hmm. leaving my son and being like, oh my, at six weeks, like, what am I, what, how do you do this? And so I understand, and, and there were, and that's why I brought that up. There were opportunities sitting in my inbox 
that I had missed by days. Um, And, you know, by days, I mean like a weekend. And so the one time I did bring it back up and say, hey, I know I missed this opportunity, but could we, and I I was denied, no, sorry. I mean, maternity, yeah, good for you. You had a kid, but not my issue. And I had to be okay with that response Mm -hmm. because it was more important for me to be present with my son than it was to beg for this opportunity should it, if it's meant for me, it'll come back around and be for me. And so I appreciate the women like you who have persevered after only having six weeks, after those opportunities being presented And probably, you know, 11 years ago, maternity, motherhood was almost, it still almost feels taboo some days, you know, and so it's a very uncomfortable conversation. It feels like that we have in our workplaces, because how do you balance it, especially when we still have male dominated workforces. Um, So I appreciate the sacrifices you have made. I appreciate the sacrifices um, all the women prior to because your sacrifice has afforded me the opportunity to do and be different for my son. And hopefully I'll be able to show my own sacrifices for other women so that they too can have a difference when it comes time for them to have children. So one, um, I enjoy being able to watch new moms who are able to take advantage of the extended maternity leave because it's important, right? Um, And what I don't want you all to forget is that you don't have to rush. Don't embrace the mom bod, right? Because you took nine months (laughs) there was a whole person in there yeah and don't don't rush to get back to the normal Mm -hmm. right because you need that time to bond you need that time to one make sure your body is okay for you to get back into whatever shape you feel like you need to be in Mm -hmm. Um, so I appreciate you all taking that time and using it the way that we didn't get to because it just shows us how much we have progressed even on those days when we think that we haven't so you for enjoying your time with stone because it's beautiful to see the thousands of pictures that you take (laughs) literally (laughs) you know being able to just enjoy that while being a military mom. Um, so I'm super excited, like I said earlier, about your journey because it's it's dope to see. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So as you know, I always like to ask, um, one, is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners that you haven't already? Well, I just really want to... Um, share and encourage all the listeners to to know that you're not alone in this. You know, there's a post um, that I have saved that that literally has a bunch of lights all over the world lit, and 
it says, hey, new mom, you're not alone. There's another mom up with you around 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet because you, you know, if you take a step back and look at the world and all the lights that are on and think about it, yeah, there is another mom out there at 2 a.m. listening to a crying baby or trying to nurse or trying in my own personal experience, trying not to fall asleep while he's falling asleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're not alone. You're stronger than you think. You can do this. If if motherhood, and, and this is something else that I think is very important. Prior to being pregnant, um, I had wanted and, and had prayed and, you know, Lord, when the time is right and his timing is is always right, although we may not agree, um, because I wasn't expecting it so quickly after that prayer, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, Lord, when the time is right, please afford me the opportunity to be a mom, and motherhood had been so heavily on my heart, probably the past two years prior to getting pregnant, that when it happened, I was, I was more shocked than anything, because, you know, we expect, we expect God to listen to us and we expect him to answer our prayers. We don't always expect for it to happen when it happens. You know, we have a timeline and we're like, okay, look, look, God, if you do this at, you know, 1230 on May 15th of 2033, I'm good with that. Just, just work around my timeline. But the fact that he he did it when he wanted to, and um, I I have my son, I have Stone, um, it really made me realize how important it is to be honest and earnest in your prayers, to ask and trust that not only what God has for you, but in this situation, what God has for my son is bigger than I could ever imagine, um, that there is a purpose, but also for the women who are struggling with seeing, whether it's infertility, whether you are single and not in a relationship or you're having issues and you don't know for sure if you want to be a mom. Um, I was seeing moms and pregnant women what felt like every day because I, I wanted it so badly and it was overwhelming to some extent. But it was also important for me to recognize that I had so much love for a, a human, a little human, whether it was my nieces and nephew or now my own son, but it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to be sad sometimes when you see moms with their babies or a pregnant woman. It's perfectly normal to have those feelings. Um, and it's also okay to hope and pray for that for yourself mm-hmm. and to hopefully accept it when it happens. Um, because I, I did struggle too, at some point with like accepting, oh, geez, I'm pregnant. Now what, how does this change my entire life? So, you know, I just, I really encourage that young lady, that woman to know you're not alone. Um, you have a village, even if it's only two people, even if it's, you know, a coworker, we're fortunate and blessed in the air force that we build this family, you know, you and I are family, we are sisters, not only in arms, but in in Christ, we are, 
you know, some days I think you're along the lines of my own blood sisters, but we are fortunate to have this relationship to where even if I can't get to my sister, you know, my sister Brooke, I can call you and I know you would be there for me. Um, I can call my, my supervisors or old commanders and they would be there for me. And so we're fortunate in that. So just know you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, every day is not going to be easy. And I think that's something that I try to, um, I try to tell myself every day is not supposed to be easy. There are going to be days where, you know, when Stone gets a little bit older that he and I are just like, what are we doing? All right, let's, <laughs> let's just try again tomorrow. All right. I'll see you later. Um, come. <laughs> right. You know, and some days I feel like those days are recent where I'm just like, who are you just not going to sleep? So I'm a, I'm gonna just close my eyes and see if that helps you. If that just encourages you to close yours too. But, um, I, although I know every day is not easy, I do celebrate every day that I have with him, every day that I get to learn something new about him. And more importantly, every day I get to learn something new about myself because, and this is something I think is really important for all of us. I cannot give him his best life, whether it's you know, a physical life, whether it's a spiritual or emotional life, if I am not doing well for myself, mm -hmm. if I am not taking care of myself, if I'm not, you know, taking my own time for spiritual growth, for emotional growth. And that's so important to recognize our children, regardless of if we know it or not, they learned from us. They learned from our nonverbals. They learned from our insecurities. And I don't want, I want everything that is good in me to go into my son and everything that is not to just be excess release somewhere else in the world. And so I have to take care of myself um, in order to be the best for him. So I would just leave that with our beautiful sisters out there, take care of yourself first and foremost, love yourself first and foremost, because that is the only way that you can truly love your child. Um, if you first have that love, respect, and care for yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, you didn't got deep on the girl. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I love to sit and talk with you. Um, we have talked about everything under the sun, um, whether we've been in the same area or the text messages are flowing or what have you. And um, I truly adore our relationship. You, I truly do look at you like a sister to me. Um, I always, you know, even just going through life, always every now and then I'm like, I wonder what Chavers doing. <laughs> that's when you get the random text, right? Um, because I just love your energy. I always call you my physical rate of sunshine because it's there's always a smile or a positive, you know, vibe that comes from you, no matter what your situation may be. Because I don't know what goes on on the other end of the phone. But you're yeah. like, hey, 
how are you doing? What's going on? And, and I just really appreciate that about you. Um, I am truly grateful that I've had the opportunity to share my personal physical rate of sunshine with the She Speaks community. Um, with that, I always like to ask the guests to speak life into those that are listening right now. So if you could, no matter how long or short it may be, can you speak life into the She Speaks community? Yeah. Uh, you know, my mom has a saying, um, always remember or embrace the sunshine, even if your world is a little cloudy. And I, I think of that so often when you know, think about COVID right now. There's so many people who are having cloudy days, but there is still sunshine on the other side of those clouds. And there's still a rainbow at the under, other end of the, the storm. And I just encourage everyone who's listening to remember the rainbow, to remember the sunshine. Um, whatever situations you're going through right now, it, it is temporary. It is truly temporary. Uh, God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. And if we hold on and just work our way, whether it's slow or fast or ho however it looks to get through the storm that we may be in, um, you will truly come out on the other end a better person. And that's all we can ever hope for in life, that we are better people for the next generation, that we do well by others, and that hopefully we do well by ourselves so that we can see that emulated through our children. So continue to, to smile, to continue to um, speak life to yourself, and remember that you are enough. You are here for a reason. You are here by design. You are not a mistake. And Always know that at the end of the day, tomorrow will come, the sun will rise again, and you have another opportunity to try to be better, um, but more importantly, just to breathe and, and know that God, God's got you. If nothing else, God has your back and will always be there for you. <laughs> Man every time you guys never cease to amaze me uh, there you go dope souls life has been spoken chavery thank you again for the interview i really appreciate it um, i sent out the email and you came back and you was like yep i'll do it <laughs> and i really appreciate that um sisters and members of the dope soul crew thank you for being a valued listener of the she speaks podcast Remember, we all have a story to tell and someone needs to hear yours because when they do, it's going to help them reach their destiny. Until next time. Sis, thank you for listening to the She Speaks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media platforms with your family, friends, and coworkers. I would also love to hear how the show has impacted you in your life. Feel free to leave me a message via Anchor or follow me on Instagram at the She Speaks. Until next time, walk in who you are 
Adjust your crown and stand tall, sis. We all have a story to tell and there's someone out there who needs to hear yours.